the start, the struggles, the pain and joy. This is how you started lah podcast. Hello ladies and gentlemen, uh, today is episode 7 and my guest today actually started stand-up comedy around the same time as me. He is a lawyer by day and stand-up comedian by night. Let's welcome Sulaiman Azmil. Hey Gajan, thank you very much for inviting me to the show. Uh, hey, no worries man. And uh, how's uh, quarantine life been for you? It's been uh, actually now fourth month. We are now we're already past three months now into the fourth month of quarantine. How's it been for you? That's correct. Uh, it's not been too bad. Of course, it also included the fasting month. Uh, not that mm, that was mm. an issue. Um, work is still the same. Uh, the company that I work for, uh, we had in fact um, implemented a plan for working from home to address the COVID-19 situation. And mm. in essence, just a day after we sort of planned to implement it, and then the MCO was put into place. So it mm. sort of, in a way, aligned with um, the timing for our transition from working at the office to working from home. And ah. now, of course, we hear of many organizations uh, that are starting to do RTO, return to office. And I think recently mm. I heard in the in the TV during one of those uh, Awani um, news items that about more than 80% have started to return to office. Um, mm. So I think at some point we'll be doing the same as well. Uh, but I think we'll still be uh, adopting a hybrid position that yep. uh, for every department, it's quite likely to be the situation where some of us will be working from home and some of us will be working uh, at the office um, and then we'll alternate groups in that that kind of thing so mm. yeah so the way i think the company that i'm working for the way they've put in place the plan it's uh, i think it's a, it's a good plan and it's i mean at the end of the day uh, the situation today is everyone every individual every company has to do their bit in trying to uh, you know, melandaikan lengkok you know, to flatten the curve. Um, so yeah, so let's uh, let's all hope and pray for the best. Yeah, this sounds like a very corporate answer. <laughs> <laughs> like a H- this is a HR answer, bro. <laughs> you should uh, you should branch out to HR already. <laughs> we have just implemented you know return to office. Yes, we are taking turns between departments. You know, we're gonna reduce the probability. At the same time, you want to keep the turnover at the same rate. Pendapat pribadi, personal opinion, does not reflect the official view of the company um, in, in any event. Yes. Yeah. Actually, I want to ask you something, right? I've, sure. I've, I've only asked this uh, this question to only one of my law. Lo- I've uh, to only one of my lawyer friends. Uh, in the law industry, right? Could, could it be fully digitalized? Could it go online? Well, I'm, 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 I'm a lawyer, but I'm no longer. Uh, an advocate and solicitor. I'm not a practicing lawyer. Uh, mm. So, uh, as you may know, um, the difference is that I'm now in-house. So, I work for an organization. I'm employed by an, an organization. Uh, I don't work for a law firm. Uh, I used to. I used to be a practicing mm. lawyer mm. from yep. 1992 until 1999. Uh, at that time, mm. I was doing both corporate work as well as uh, litigation. So, mm. I, you know, I've done... Um, those matters where I've had to go to court, appear for a client, and so on. Um, you, to your question about whether it can be fully digitalized, I, I guess from what perspective, I think in terms of, if we're talking about corporate work, it's certainly a lot easier. Yep. Uh, when we're talking about negotiations, and which eventually leads to the drafting of contract documentation to facilitate a particular transaction, I think that, that is certainly the easier of the two compared to litigation. The thing about mm. litigation is, um, as you know, a lot of it, well, not a lot of it, many matters actually don't even go for full trial. I think for mm. those matters, it may be less difficult because you could potentially have the judge um, and all this is done online, the two lawyers representing their respective clients, and they both present submissions or arguments to support an application. So those types of uh, proceedings do not require uh, witness testimony. Um, and this is the thing. 
when a witness testifies in court, the judge is not just about what the witness says. It's also about the body language and so on. Mm. And whether you can get that kind of feel if the testimony is given online, is, I, I guess the jury is still out on that point. So I think for litigation, when it involves trials, it might be more difficult. Uh, but when right. it involves, say, lawyers making submissions, applications, appeals, which does not involve um, examination in chief or cross-examination of witnesses, that may be a level easier. Uh, okay, that's a dumb question. Hmm. What about webcam? <laughs> Me? Yes. No, no, I mean, if they, I mean, if you do it online. So just now you spoke about body, yeah. uh, body gesture and all that, right? What um, if it's an online webcam? So that yeah, a video so, call here. Yeah, I know. So so that's the thing. I guess I don't know. I think I I think there'll there'll still be some difference. Um, mm. I don't know whether that's actually been done uh, here, whether mm. we've actually got testimony that's given online because as as as. Uh, I mean, if you've been following the um, cases involving Datuk Sunajit, he still has to go mm. to court. I mean, it's just that for a moment, uh, for for a while, that they uh, adjourned the hearing uh, or rather, uh, the continuation of the proceedings to a particular date. Right? And when they restarted, they still had to go to court. Mm. But I guess, yeah, I mean, at, at one point in time, and, and I think because of what's been happening globally, the, MC, uh, the COVID-19 situation, and in Malaysia, the MCO, we here in Malaysia are doing things in a way that we've never thought we'd do, or we've never thought even probable. And then suddenly all of us are doing stuff that, hey, this is actually not that difficult, or, or this actually can work. So, yeah, yeah, we talk about the new normal, some of the things I think even... Hopefully, even I mean, if a vaccine is discovered for COVID nineteen, if it can be more normal than the new normal, I think there will still be things, uh, lessons that we've learned during this period that we may continue using post the COVID nineteen crisis. Mm. Yeah, actually, it's true because like I used to be an IT consultant, and to be honest, Malaysia is a bit slower in the digital world. You know, uh, a lot of things we do are still manual. So sometimes this uh, this pandemic, I know it's, it's taken a lot of lives, but it's it was also the trigger point for the entire world to be cleaner and also like to say, hey, look, time to go digital. Well, you don't have to go full, but time to embark on it. Like you said, a hybrid system, right? Like uh, if anything happens, you know, my company is ready to go digital. At the same time, you know, we still, to me, I still want to go to office uh, because to me, I think human interaction is important. Lah, you know, if you stay at home, do I can go crazy. Lah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> You're facing walls and all that. Uh, you lose that. Uh, you lose that soul, lah, bro. It's like an empty soul, you know? Like, just being alone in a four walls is like a... Put it this way, like, if Mon Kera made a jail, then it's literally like your house. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, it, yeah, it's still a jail, but yeah, you got uh, amenities, you got equipment and all that. So, yeah. Uh, so the thing I asked about this digital is I asked my friend, and uh, he also said the same thing. You know, like uh, it can, but maybe not uh, fully digital. And uh, when I did my last episode of What's Going On, lah, I spoke about this uh, drunk driving. So I started reading a bit on law. So when I went to the website, also coming from an IT consultant perspective, the good thing, okay, at least the PDF files are there, like the one you sent me, you know, the Road uh, Transport Act. 1907, yes. But the thing about that, from an IT perspective is, it is still uh, partially manual. Partially manual in a way, if I go to the, uh, the website, if let's say I type out uh, alcohol, uh, nothing appears. And the reason why is because the search bar will only read the, uh, the title of the documents. Ah, so ah, unless you I mean. know that the legislation is a road transport act, correct? Yeah, in transport you'll get that, but you can correct. Yeah, okay. It's only reading the the name of the document. It's it won't be able to read what's inside the document lah. So ah. it's not fully uh, digital in that perspective. But the document is up there. But I guess that's the start. So hopefully, you know, we will we will 
have that uh, that uh, what do you call that that feature soon uh, to mm. to go more digital. Okay, another thing is uh, now I know you started stand up just right after me. Like this was in twenty thirteen, right? Correct. And what yeah, and what made you start stand up comedy? Um, okay, I hope this story is interesting. Do you remember that in twenty twelve or in the years leading up to twenty twelve, everyone was talking okay. about the end of the world because of Correct. the date twelve. 12, 12. You, you yes. remember that whole thing, right? Yeah, there's even a movie, bro. Yeah. Correct. There's a moment. That's absolutely right. So what happened was this. Um, a lot of people were doing, hey, what shall we do on the eve of 12, 12, 12? Or, you know, like two days before 12, 12, 12 or something like that. So yep. um, what I did was I went to watch this show. You'd be very familiar with this, of course, Comedy Cow Cow. Uh, hosted yep. by a very good friend, um, uh, Dr. Jason Leong. So yep. this was the December show. And this was either uh-huh. at the very eve or like maybe in the same week as 12-12-12. Ah. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I went to watch the show and with uh, a few friends. And then after that, I remember going to this Chawan, right? At Publica. I think they've closed yes, down. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but there used to be Chawan at Publica. So as we were sitting down and it, it was more of a dare thing when someone said, hey, you know, Slyman, why, why don't you, you know, give this a shot? And so I, I didn't say anything in response. But what I did when I got home, and I remember this very vividly, I wrote an email to Jason and mm. the question I asked him was, hey, how do you go about auditioning for this? Mm. And he actually replied like almost immediately. And he said, mm. there's no audition, bro. You just come. Uh, we'll give you a few minutes. So he gave me the date for the next show, which was uh, Comedy Kakao used to be once a month, if I'm not Correct. mistaken, right? Thursday, yeah. Yeah, yeah on, on a Thursday. So he gave me the date for the January uh, Comedy Kakao show. Mm. Uh, so I went um, with some friends um, and so, so I went earlier, met up with the group. I was given, I think, four or five minutes and I was placed somewhere in the middle, you know, what you would refer to as a safe zone, right? So, mm. yeah, <laughs> because Kao Kao had, of course, uh, it's, it's partly open mic, it's also uh partly uh, performers who are more seasoned. Correct, yeah. So then my name was called up. But before my name was called up, I, of course, moved away from where I was sitting. And it was a relatively full house that night. So I moved mm. away from where I was sitting. Uh, I went to the side. Then my name was called out. I went upstage. Nobody else knew that I was going to be doing this thing. And then I started performing. And I only left the stage after more than 18 minutes. <laughs> 15? Well, more than 15. I, I think it was at least oh 18 or 19. Oh my God. Now, I'm not proud of it, Gajan. I am not okay, proud okay, okay. of it. Uh, <laughs> But I'm not, not surprised, lah, bro. I'm not proud of it. And I'm saying this um, repeatedly. Um, so, of course, that's absolutely wrong. And, and later on, we know that you know we have this appreciation that no, you, you, you can't go beyond your time because it affects the show, it affects someone else's yeah. time, etc. Et and it's just in a way, lack of discipline, for want of a better mm. word. But that was the first time I was doing that. But yeah, I went on until well beyond 15. I think it was like 18 or 19 um, minutes. And anyway, um, so that was the first time I ever did that. And what happened next was I went to um, One Might Stand um, mm. at uh, PGLA. Uh, Wait, uh, before one mic stand, so <clears throat> after you went up for 15 minutes, mm. did uh, did Jason like uh, throw you under the bus on stage or something? No, no actually, <laughs> okay, this this is really <laughs> weird. Now that when I look back at it, Jason actually sort of like tried to come on stage and tried, I, oh. tried to come on stage and, 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 okay. I, and I actually looked at him and said, oh, like, can I have a couple more minutes? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what... Jason did a, a, a nice... Uh, sometime back, uh, I had a, a podcast called Just Saying, which I did with uh, Prakash, uh, Brian, Tan, and Kiran Maladevan. 
and one of our ah. guests. It was relatively short-lived. I think we did about seven or eight episodes. But during the seven or eight episodes, one of our guests was Jason Leong. And uh, this event was recounted during that uh, podcast. And mm. his response was, uh, bro, uh, you're a lawyer. La. That's why la. I, didn't, I didn't stop you. Uh, after you might sue me. <laughs> of course, it was all <laughs> in jest. But I, I knew that what I did was wrong. And, um, it, it, you know, it, it, as I said, it's not something I'm proud of. Yeah, but, but did he go up on stage and like say anything or not about you um, going fifteen minutes? I, I can't remember. I, I, oh. I can't remember. Uh, but yeah, it was bad. Um, uh, and 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 after that, but I thought the experience was nice in terms of how I felt on stage. Mm, mm, I actually mm. felt hey, this is this was a good experience. And then, what do your friends say? The one who attended your first show? Uh, first of all, many of them terkejut lah. Mm. Because they didn't expect, and then they actually thought that maybe I was just away uh, to go to the washroom, and then suddenly the name was announced, and I went up on stage. Ah, nice, nice. Uh, so, um, so what happened next was that was in January, right? Yeah. So what happened mm. next was I went to watch uh, One Might Stand. Um, every it's every Tuesday, right? It used to be at PL. Yeah, every Tuesday, every Tuesday. hosted by right. Kevin uh, or Rizal. Yeah. The show that I went to was hosted by Rizal. And mm. I sat in the front row. Mm. I sat, and, and Rizal started off, um, and you know like what happens to people in the front row again. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so first of all, he thought it was Chinese. And when I said, I'm Malay, and he sort of like didn't believe me, and then some jokes were made out of that. But after the show, I went to see him and I said, hey, uh, hey relax the blow. I said, no, it's, it's all, all is good. I just wanted to know, um, if I wanted to ask for a spot uh, on this open mic show, how do I go about doing it? So he asked for my phone number uh, and then he said, okay, I'll get back in touch with you. Um, mm. And this is again something I remember very well because I got a call from Rizal. And the reason I remember this very well was because it was February the 1st. It was a public mm. holiday, but I was working on that day at Coffee Bean, um, Jaya 33 when that call came. Ah, so I okay. picked up the call and I said, hey, Sulaiman, this is Rizal Van Gezel, uh, one might stand. Are you still interested in, uh, in doing the sport? Uh, if you are, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll give a spot to you this Tuesday. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm interested. And you know what he said? No, I... Oh, and by the way, you have only five minutes, yeah? I heard. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, la, things spread, la, bro. Of course, but, yeah, la, I, I mean, I, it's all in. I mean, I take it all in in in, in good uh, in, in good fun. Uh, but yeah, that was um, my first two uh, appearances, as it were. And okay, so when when you perform at one mic stand, how how long do you do? Do you really oh, do just five minutes on the dot? I kept the time. Ah, um, nice. And I remember subsequently, and I still think of this as one of probably my most enjoyable sets. I think I have a recording of it somewhere, but I can't find it. The first time I did Time Out Comedy Thursday. Mm. And that was, uh, I was given three minutes. Yep. And um, I, the recording showed 2.58 when I said, thank you, good night. Mm, nice. So that was, yeah. Oh, remember you asked me about what did Jason say? Uh, yeah. On stage. on stage for that first show. Yeah. Uh, I don't I didn't remember what Jason said, but Kevin uh, came on stage subsequently, uh, made a reference to me, and he said uh, that was the first time I saw a Malay guy doing overtime. Ah. <laughs> so that I remember, yes. Okay, so Kevin was also on your show. Kevin was on, on, on my first show, show as well. Uh, then, yeah. yeah, on that show when I... Uh, Comedy Kakao that I first appeared. I guess those were the days where there were not many shows, so you definitely see the same comics nearly every show. <laughs> yeah, and, and at that time, there was also that show that was uh, organized by J1 Rocklands at uh, PJ near Hotel Amada. Yes. It was a mixture rhythm of music, and laughter, rhythm, rhythm and yeah. laughter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, those were the days. We, we tried to get spots in every. Um, open mic uh, shows out there. And another thing, right? I it, When you started in 2013, you were 45 years old at that time. And so my question is, being a Malaysian or in general as an Asian and then being a lawyer, 
and then starting at 45, did you get like any negative vibes uh, from like friends or family? They're saying, what, you're doing this now? Anything like that? It was not something that I would reveal to my family, at least not intentionally. Uh, it was only mm. after, I think, a few episodes. Uh, no, episodes is the wrong word, of course. It was only after um, several times that I've appeared on stage that I sort mm. of like indicated to uh, my brother and a few of my cousins, second cousins, that I'm doing mm. this. Uh, and some of them did come uh, to watch uh, some of the shows which I go on. I never mentioned this to my parents, though. Uh, although mm. when I did um, the uh, show that was produced um, and broadcast over Astro, uh, Comedy Basama Harish Iskandar, and then Comedy with Douglas Lim, I mentioned those shows to my parents. Mm. So those shows they've watched, the ones mm. on Astro, but they've, they've certainly not come to any of the live shows. And but did uh, any of your relatives or like, okay, like say your cousins, right, watched you, uh, could be also your close friends. Did they ever have this, uh, what, what was their reaction first? Was it like positive? Was it in the middle? Was it negative? I think because I never said anything about this being necessarily, like, I, I didn't say, hey, I'm going to stop being a lawyer. I'm going to do stand-up comedy. So, mm. so I think it was probably a bit different, I guess. I think if, Imagine, for example, if I said, hey, I'm announcing that I'm, not, I'm going to resign from being a lawyer. I'm going to set up comedy full-time. I think uh, the reaction would probably have been a lot different. Nah, that's a good point. Yeah. You're right, bro. But because, <laughs> because when I did it part-time as well, so I didn't get any, any uh, what do you call that, any negative uh, vibes. Only when I left, then I had a few. La. <laughs> yeah, la, because, because there's always the concern and... Uh, to be fair, justifiably so. I think if I'm a third person looking in, um, there's always that concern, especially if you have dependents, uh, whether yep. you can do that transition and still have, um, you know, and, and still not be too worried about how you can address your financial obligations uh, and your other financial, financial in particular, responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Okay, what has what was your worst comedy show ever? Do you remember or not that show? That one particular uh, show where Okay, I know I know what yeah, I know what you mean. Um there was I guess there was um a show that and, and I apologize to the um uh, showrunner after that because um I was I think and I will be very candid here, and I think I said this also to the showrunner, that I was being indulgent. Um, mm. And this was a show not, um, uh, which is either a week or very near to the 1MCB debut show. Okay, so this so it was, a few was days- end of 2018. Yeah, or early 2019. It was either end of or early 2019. I think probably early 2019. Okay. And okay. this was a few days leading up to the uh, one MCB show, and yep. I was asked to be the host uh, of a show. Um, but let's just say that in the course of the of the hosting, mm. I was plugging in the one MCB show mm. uh, probably more <laughs> often. Uh, Wait, what show have. was this first? Was it a corporate show or what? This is this was, if I'm not mistaken, I love KL. Okay. Uh, 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 so Juliana show, by, correct, which is run uh, by a very productive uh, Juliana Heng. Yeah. And uh, so I was the host. Um, Brian was the closing act. Okay. And yeah, so I was being indulgent, uh, not disciplined. Uh, I apologized to Juliana immediately after the show. Uh, and yeah, I, I think, I mean, I've got other shows. So like, for example, performing just before one or two members of the audience. Uh, but I think that, that one really stood out. Another one, perhaps, and this is also, you, you'll get wait, wait, sorry, before you go on to the other show. So this show was one of your worst shows because you kept plugging in one MCB. I, I felt it was 
worse in the in, in terms of in the context of what is it that I'm there for. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm hosting the show. Yeah. By the way, for the for the listeners, uh, one MCB uh, stands for One Malaysia Comedians Bureau, and uh, it's actually a name of a show where me, uh, Sulaiman, Shamin Uthman, Kiran, and Brian actually formed, and we did it last year January. Just in case if you're wondering what one MCB <laughs> yes. means. Yeah, I should have. <laughs> yes, I should have uh, explained the short form. Yeah. Um. So, I look at it from that perspective, like. I, I, this okay. is something I, I, I believe to be true that whenever okay, we perform okay. um, yeah. the, the stage is sacred we all have a responsibility uh, this is not about what is it that you can say or what is it that you can't say that, that, that's another uh, perspective uh, that, that's another point of it. Correct, yeah. but we all have a responsibility to do what it is that we ought to do in order to make the show good uh, a host Correct, in yeah. particular has uh, a, a very uh, shoulders a lot of responsibility, and mm. uh, see, you know, um, can a host make or break a show? Sometimes, yeah, um, mm. but certainly in in the context of what I was doing that uh, that evening, yeah, it was overindulgence. Um, I, yeah, I immediately after the show, immediately went over to uh, Juliana and said, "I'm truly sorry about what happened, and uh, you know, it's not going to happen again." Hmm. Oh, so I mean, your show. standards are way too high, lah, bro. <laughs> no, I mean, well, <laughs> I thought someone threw a mug or something. Like, no, lah. I I repeatedly uh, plugged in a show during a show. <laughs> okay, what's your yeah. other one? You said this one. You said you had another show. Yeah, the other one is um, this was Kevin and I. Okay, doing a show in Langkawi. Uh, ah, got, which show was this? Uh, we got this invitation. This was. Um, you know, sometimes you have events that focus on, uh, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily spoken word, but, but focus on a variety of performing arts or, or, or a variety of art forms. Maybe that's the way. Mm, got it. Yeah. So, so, so this was an event um, in Langkawi. Uh, it was outdoor. Uh, the stage was outdoors. The mm. The nearest audience is in a bar. Um, you know, a, a lot of those uh, seaside resorts would have this sort of correct a little gazebo bar mm, kind of mm. thing. Yeah. So that's where the audience yep. was, and so the show comprised a number of art forms, including uh, poetry, uh, uh, monologue. If I'm not mistaken, Shantini Venugopal was performing. Um, there was even uh, I, I think a group of children performing. I can't remember mm. that. Yeah, so it was it was a variety of art form, and the uh, organizers of the show thought it'd be interesting to include uh, stand-up comedy. So Calvin performed and I performed, and because the audience so this were, was by the seaside, uh, Yes, with the waves. Uh, uh, was it heckling you? Uh, <laughs> coconut leaves. Yeah, the heckling came from the waves. Um, yeah. But the audience was so far away that because we rely so much on audience response, and certainly now that we're all doing this online, we re- we, we know that we sort of we have to change that mindset, right? Yeah. Um, but back when we were doing shows live, we relied so much on audience response. Yeah. Before we but go wait, on. you said the audience was in the bar, which is far away from the stage. And yes. then what was in front of the stage? Uh, there were seats, but no one occupied the seats. <laughs> so I is, thought you were going to say they put something else there to block. This one, they, <laughs> they, 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 provided, that, they that, provided the space for people to sit comfortably. And yet... No one sat on the seats. <laughs> except, except the school kids. Right. Which leads to another interesting point. Um, were they primary or secondary? Primary, Both. or at the very okay. uh, uh, even if I, I think even upper primary, end, uh, upper primary or lower secondary lah. Okay, I got it. Among yeah. Young school children. Um, so, and the rest were sitting so far away. So, for example, like even when Calvin was performing, right? So when I was sitting with the audience, I could see that they were enjoying it, but I can imagine that Calvin would have no inkling as to how the audience is responding. To his bits, 
because mm. they're just too far away for you to be able to gauge whether you get yep. the laughter or not. And then mm. there was me when I went up um, and, and and let's just say I did um, some stuff that was, I guess, for mature audience. <laughs> with just put something in front of me. So yeah, so that was that was. I think uh, I know which I think I know which bit already. I think you know which bit already. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow, you did that in front of school kids. Yes, huh? and then I explained. I explained to the kids, "Hey, uh, I'm talking about Siamese cats to <laughs> you know melandaikan the lengkok, yeah, to flatten uh, the curve." I said that. Yeah, yeah. A little bit, yeah. So um, yeah, that was an experience. I thought. Sorry, which year was this again? Gosh, this was. Um, for sure, not in the first year of when I was performing. Maybe 2014 or 2015. Yeah, sounds like it. Uh. Yeah. Because uh, like for Kavin to just go up and perform, I think now if you get Kavin to perform, like even uh, like any one of us, the first thing I'll do is I'll pull the crowd in front. I'll try to invite the crowd you know, to sit at the seats mm. rather than just go up there and perform. Because uh, I would do the same thing in my first few years as well. Yes, like I'll just go up and perform, you know. But now, uh, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't start my show until people are paying attention. So, and it's interesting that you all did it by the beach, bro. Yes, I've gotten, I've actually gotten a lot of requests, you know. And I tell them, okay, we are going to fight with the waves. Uh, there's also some coconut leaves that'll be <laughs> moving about, and then I've got the wind noise, and then Correct. you know, and the worst part is, uh, okay, I don't know where was it in Langkawi, but in most of these seaside hotels they will always have another hotel by the other side, you know. So if you do it outdoor, if someone else is having a big party, there goes your <laughs> there goes your set, bro. You know, you got oh, moving yes. someone at the back, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, that didn't happen, but yeah, it was still, you know, there was still all those other noises coming. I think I think it was at the Pantai, is it Pantai Chana? That's the ah, yes, that name Langkali. rings a bell, yeah. I've uh, been there before. Yes, so... Okay, so these two... Okay, you, did you get any heckles before or not? Like, messed up? Like, really heckles. bad heckles? Um, yeah. I think there was one show at... Mm. Uh, there's this place... Were, were we doing that show together, Gajan? There's this place in SS... Um, in SS2 um, that is super non-halal. Uh, and there was this guy who kept on heckling practically all of us and then later on when I had a chat with him after the show he seemed to genuinely feel that his heckling contributed to the show being good okay this sounded okay I, this I think sounds we were very... on that show together yes it does ring a bell but I cannot uh, I cannot uh, fish out the details yeah. It sounds like a... It was in SS2. I think the venue was, uh, you know, one of those shop lots upstairs. Right. Uh, it's near the Shell petrol station. You know that famous Shell okay. petrol station yep, uh, yep. near Paramount Garden? Oh, actually, actually, technically, it's not SS2. I think maybe... Is it SS2 or is it Paramount Garden? Yeah. Mm. So we, we did a show in um, at a restaurant. Oh, mm, maybe mm, distro, mm. whatever you call it. And yeah, so there was this guy who was heckling, I think, all of us. And he genuinely felt that he was, what he was doing was for the good of the show. And then he said something about his regular client here and, you know, um, the boss will be fine with me doing this or words to that effect. <laughs> it's funny that I sort of remember this happening, that I know it happened, but I just don't know any details at all. But I but I know what you say is correct. Like, I do have that. I can recall that feeling. I know, but I just cannot remember any details about the show. I guess it happened yeah. quite some time back, though. Yes. I, I think, think this, this should be easily at least, I think, four to f- at least four years or more. This is 2020. That was probably... Uh, Before 2016, maybe, I think. Maybe 2016. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, uh, I want to talk about drunk driving. Okay. Now this has been a, this has been an issue in a, in Malaysia for quite some time. But in the recent couple of months, uh, 
I wouldn't say spike in cases because I really don't know the numbers and uh, there are a few news reports that are using different data sources. But what I know is that uh, the media is definitely uh, reporting it more often. Now, I did read up on the, uh, what do you call it? On the penalties and so on. Yeah, in the road so like, for example, yeah. So for example, like uh, drunken drivers, I'm just reading it out from online. Drunken drivers who cause injury or death can be jailed for a maximum of 10 years and fine up to 20,000. Now the thing is, now in my, uh, again, in my video that I just did yesterday, uploaded yesterday, I mentioned, I think one of the, I think there are two reasons to this, why like people are still drunk driving, right? Number one, the penalty may not be that big. It's not harsh enough. And number two, it's like enforcement, right? Because uh, whatever we see uh, in the news are all reported cases, right? That means like, you know, or, uh, a guy who killed an innocent, who was drunk driving, drunk driver who killed an innocent person is now charged. That's a, that's a reported case. But what about people who got away with it? So that's the enforcement part. So my question to you is, from like a lawyer perspective, how do you think that we can, we can uh, what do you call that? We can not solve this, but definitely uh, reduce the like issues of like drunk driving. Um. The, the, what you just said about enforcement is invariably true of so many legislation. Uh, mm, yep. Sometimes it's only when something gets triggered when uh, when, an, when a particular legislation... Uh, an, an easy example would be the Act Now Prevention of Diseases. How many of us even knew of the existence of that Act? Uh, we may have fleetingly given us some thought to, hey, you know, what, what powers does the government have in terms of controlling disease or controlling the spread of diseases, but without knowing how it would be operationalized. Because of COVID-19, we now see this act actually. Okay, I didn't step. even know there was an act, bro, until like literally a few seconds ago. <laughs> yeah, the MCO isn't... Interesting. Yeah, the, the, this Perintah Kawalan uh, Pergerakan isn't just there magically. Like all yeah. other orders, it has to be made pursuant to powers that are provided for in law. And this... Ah, okay. Yeah, so it's not like saja-saja Ismail Sabri or Majlis yeah. Keselamatan Negara saying, ah, let's do this Perintah Kawalan Pergerakan. Yeah. And by the way, I'm guessing that this act is also based on the previous outbreaks, right? All this, the other coronaviruses outbreak. Well... And that's how they... Uh, the, the, the particular act in, uh, in question, the Prevention of Diseases Act, uh, I'm just trying to recall the exact name. I think it's the Prevention and Control of Infectious Diseases Act 1988. 1988, <laughs> eh? <laughs> bro, your standards are too high, lah, bro, for this podcast. 1988. <laughs> okay. So it's been, yeah. it's been around for a long time. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah. but very few of us would even have any idea about this until mm. recent events. And then we actually am told that uh, it's because of powers provided under the Act that they can do these things. Right, okay. the of the uh, the initially the PKP Pentah Kawalan Pergerakan or you know movement control order and subsequently the conditional movement control order and now the um, uh, PKP Pemulihan right the recovery mm. movement control order it, it's all because there are powers uh, mm. that exist by law so similarly now talking about drunk driving uh, the Road Transport Act. 1987, I think. And even before that, we had the Road Transport Ordinance, which would probably, I can imagine, which would have provisions that legislated uh, for uh, driving under the influence of alcohol or other kinds of intoxicants. Um, the Act itself does also provide, and I'm not sure whether in the cases, which in, in, in the recent cases, whether they're proceeding along those grounds, that once a person is convicted of an offence uh, under the Act, uh, the court can... I mean, there is also this power uh, vested in the court to... Um, what's the word for it? To, to suspend uh, or disqualify him from holding a driving licence. Mm. Now, for example, the case that's just happened, I don't know whether apart from the imposition of fines and or jail term, whether they also 
go to this, um, whether they also exercise the powers of the disqualification or the suspension uh, mm. of license. So that's, that's yep. from the perspective of not allowing the person to drive for a certain period of time, right? Because apart mm. from fine, fine lah. I mean, if, yep. imagine if it's just a fine. For people who can afford to pay the fine, yeah, exactly. pay the fine, right? yeah. and then tomorrow drives again, right? Yep. In fact, he may be driving to the court. <laughs> hmm. yeah. And after he pays the fine, he's also driving from the court to back home. So, hmm. yeah. So, whether... So the powers are there in certain circumstances to disqualify or suspend. Uh, I guess beyond that is also, I, I mean, I'm not sure how the policy, because I don't drink myself, but I'm not sure how it is when people go to bars and pubs and whether they've, you know, after they've had X number of drinks, uh, whether, you know, the bartenders or the uh, proprietors of the pubs concerned would actually say, hey, um, I think you've had too much should stop or I wouldn't you know I wouldn't serve you. I know I I'm not sure what the convention is here in this mm. uh, in this country. I've I've seen that before lah. I've seen I've seen certain bartenders uh, uh not in uh what do you call it not not to say like giving instructions or what like instructing the person no more drinking but like more of like advising the person hey look you're already out mm. you know I think you just take it easy lah bro like in that manner and it's not so much of like uh not to say like bar rules or what, I think this is just more to like ethics and you just want to take care of another person. La. You know, I, I think it doesn't yeah. take, I think it's just common sense. La. If someone is really out, it just makes sense to tell the person, hey, I think, you know, take it easier. And, and then I guess the other thing is, uh, again, I don't have first-hand experience on this. It's, this is all, you know, based on watching movies and, mm. and TV series. <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah. That I, yeah, you know, that, that's where you know facts are learned from that, right? From that source. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, not from life, TV, you know, internet. Um, Correct. Things like having a designated driver. Mm. Right? I mean, for well, in the past it would have been six or ten, but now four of you in the car, uh, yeah. going out for a drink. Um, you know, um, still observing SOPs and whatever but going out for a drink and then have someone who's a designated driver. Or, better still, um, just e-hailing. But these yep. are things which are not, necess- these are things which are not prescriptive enforcements. These are kawalan uh, kendiri, as our minister is fond of saying. This is self-discipline and you know, self-imposition of rules and conventions that you should follow for the benefit mm. of all. Yeah. You see, like the reason why I mentioned about the reason why I mentioned about like uh the higher penalty and enforcement is I'll just use like Singapore as an example, right? I know that like whenever I step into Singapore, like immediately I will I will always ask myself, am I am I breaking a certain rule? Even up to the point like am I even allowed to stand here like on this brick? Like yes. <laughs> and it's that simple. Right? And before that's before even going into uh, the crazier things like uh, speeding and even worse, drunk driving. So I'll give you an example uh, to, to show why like higher penalty and enforcement uh, really helps. I, I, one of my last shows, in fact, my last international show uh, before the quarantine kicked in was in Singapore. This was for a corporate company of 30 people, <clears throat> very small company. And among all the shows I've done, this show had the most alcohol, like 30 of them were all just drinking, like from the beginning, you know. And I'm glad I started my stand-up comedy first yes. because they advised me to start first because they said this company will get drunk by midway. You wouldn't want to do in the middle. And I was like, yeah, but what about the warm-up? I said, don't worry, Gajan, do in the beginning. And I'm glad I did it in the beginning. So this company just kept drinking, you know. Every lucky draw, everyone's just drinking. And by mid of the event, the, the CEO of the company comes up to me and said, Gajan, uh, you have already done your job as, as a stand-up comedian emceeing. I just want you to make sure that no one drives home. Please, I want you to remind every single employee that no one drives home after this. He kept repeating, I've never seen anyone come up to me so in a, such a stern manner. He wasn't stern about comedy emceeing, which is what I was booked for. He just wanted everyone to, to go back safely. He didn't want anyone to break the rules. He even asked me to ask on stage like okay who here is driving home ask to raise their hands and then after that 
the CEO came up on stage and literally told the company, I don't believe you. Please be honest now. And he literally made sure. The following day, everyone reached home safely and uh, the CEO was happier. And I've never felt this vibe before. No? And I think it just shows that a bigger penalty and when, when a law is being enforced in such a stern manner, people will be scared to you know drink and drive. They will think three times before doing anything like that. I don't know. Do you do you see that uh, happening here? Like with a better enforcement? I think what you said is, is spot on, but it, it has to be hand in glove. It, it has to be uh, the law being made stiffer or, mm. well, uh, the punishment being made stiffer. Actually, the law is already there. The question is, what are the punishments? What What's the maximum punishment? What are the sentences uh, that are available to the court to be made stiffer? And enforcement. It, mm. it has to go hand in hand. Um, mm. Let me just ask an interest, uh, a question here. That, that you're performing in that show in Singapore. The, mm. Is the CEO local or foreigner? Uh, everyone is, I would say 95% are Singaporeans. There were two Germans. Uh, I think that's about it. Lah. That's the demographics. Lah. But I think, I guess with Singapore, it's because um, you know, everyone has the mixed joke about how Singapore is a fine city. Mm, it, yeah. it's, it's so, it's a concept that is so entrenched in everyone's minds. I think Correct. even since, um, I remember the first time I went to Singapore with uh, my family, I think was in, um, was it, I, I think in late 70s, I was in primary school. Uh, my, my father brought us to stay with a very close friend of his in Johor Bahru. And inevitably, at that time, it was quite something, you know, like to cross over mm. to Singapore. Right? And yep. even back then, like me as a kid, my parents would tell me all sorts of things like, you know, be careful. I mean, don't, don't litter is an obvious thing. But they'll tell yeah. me stories about how um, if you happen to step on a, on a ticket, and I say at that time, it was still, you know, bus tickets or whatever, and it's under your shoe, but, you know, the authorities might come and fine you for that. There, there was this whole um, thing. Now, this was beyond urban myth because there's a lot of truth to this. Yeah. But today, and, and even today, right, if you say to a Singaporean, would you jaywalk? They would probably say no. Yeah. But on those occasions when I've been in Singapore in more recent years, um, have I seen people crossing the road not using the zebra crossing? I have. Maybe not as often as would be the case here in uh, Malaysia, but I have. And I think slowly people, oh, okay, maybe it's not, it's not, it's not that strictly enforced anymore. But I, I think generally everyone still thinks like that when they go into Singapore. That mm. there is this um, perception, uh, justifiable or otherwise, that the laws there are stricter on, in many areas. And enforcement is consistent yep. and constant. Mm. So if you, like what you've said, right? You, you step on the brick and you're thinking, is this okay? <laughs> yeah. Am I committing an offense? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think you have that. I don't think Singaporeans have that feeling when they come to Malaysia. Definitely, yeah. You can, you can, no, you can really see from Singaporean drivers, bro. <laughs> the moment they come here, it's like a like a dog released from a cage, you know. <laughs> different, but if we go there, yeah. it's, it's a different feeling. Like every time I see a car tailgating me, like really close, I'm thinking like, who's this fella? Suddenly I see Singaporean plate. It's like, come on lah. Like <laughs> they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do exactly. that exactly on the PIE. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this was my last question. All right. <clears throat> okay, this one's a heavy topic lah. But it's okay, la, we are comics. La. Uh, okay, but I want to ask you from a, like a lawyer perspective. La, it's regarding the Black Lives Matter. All right. Now, uh, now I think the George Floyd case was like a trigger point. Now, obviously, the riot was for a bigger cause, not just for him, but in yeah. general, la, like for equality and so on. Okay, so looking at the timeline perspective, right? Like it started off with the George Floyd's case. And then after that, there were riots. And then after that, buildings were being burned. And then after that, 
only where uh, the officer that was uh, pinning down George Floyd was charged. And then after that, there were more riots, uh, more burned buildings. And then only after that, the other three officers who were working uh, in that in that scene was also charged. So it's interesting where you know I where I don't support violence. I'll never do anything violent, but I do understand why it's happening. And this is just a good example where uh, the citizens have to do things like that for the government to say, okay, now now we are listening to you, and then let's uh, let's charge this guy. So, what is your take on this, like from a law perspective? Like, it's it's quite it's quite rampant, isn't it, in America? Police brutality, I guess. Yeah, is... and also and also like the law. I don't know about this, but I keep hearing this uh, a lot, of, like stand-up comedians when they do jokes about uh, this police brutality. You know, sometimes they mention about where, where the law is siding uh, towards officers rather than citizens. It's very much like uh, here we have it, but not as extreme as there. You know, like here sometimes we heard cases where uh, the victim was charged because the victim killed the the rapist or the victim hurt the uh, the robber, right? We have seen those cases here as well. So, but obviously, we are, I'm not comparing this apple to apple with that. The ones that are happening in America are like way more extreme. So, like, I wanted to know your opinion. Like, what's your take on this, like, matter? Admittedly, I'm not um, that well-informed in terms of what the laws are over there. But I think America has a history. Um, I mean, I mean, when we look at what's happened recently uh, and then we look at the history um, of the US of A, I think you could sort of like understand that there's always that um, uh, that that sense that, that that underneath whatever it is that you see, something is constantly simmering. Um, now, mm. in terms of, uh, I cannot imagine. And again, I stress the fact that I'm not well truly well informed in terms of what the laws there are. I cannot imagine necessarily that the issue is that there are no laws on the um, to address these issues. But yep. again, it's an enforcement thing. And, Correct. Mm. And I can't remember the name of the individual involved, but many years ago, that the incident that happened in LA, right? When mm. this, I think the police was eventually charged. Was it the case that... Um, he was released or something uh, because um, the 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 fact is the jury was all white. Now I'm not about mm. to say that the fact that the jury is all white necess- necessitated uh, or made it obvious that the verdict would be given in favor of one person. But obviously, things like that have the potential of uh, bringing out a result that's not necessarily fair. Mm. And see, that's the thing. As far as the laws are concerned, I cannot imagine that in many of this, in many of the states, oh, yeah, one thing again to uh, to remember is that uh, in America, because of the, 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 I mean, America is made up of 50 states. So, and each of those states have their own legislation. Uh, ah, some of yes, it yes, may yes. be very different from one state to another. Yeah, like marijuana. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and interestingly, although this may not necessarily be uh, an answer to the question that you've asked, um, yeah. do you know that this guy who is charged, uh, Derek Chauvin or, or Chauvin, yeah. name is right, yeah. uh, and they were from the uh, Minneapolis uh, police department. Well, now his former Minneapolis police officer, mm. of course. But apparently, he still uh, stands to receive more than a million US dollars in pension benefits during his retirement years, even if he is convicted of killing George Floyd. 
Now you think, oh. wow, this is amazing, right? Now, apparently, while a number of state laws in the US allow for the forfeiture of gross pensions, pensions of employees convicted of felony crimes related to their work, this mm. is apparently not the case in Minnesota. Okay. So this doesn't necessarily answer your question that, that relates to police brutality, but just imagine this. Uh, yeah. You would think that uh, for sure lah, he wouldn't get this. Because bear in mind, pension benefits come from mm. uh, uh, are typically partially funded by taxpayers. Yeah. So this is not even like he's working for a private company and the private company says, ah, don't worry, uh, as part of your severance pay, you'll get the yeah, package. Yeah. Right? It all mm. comes from us. But this is these are pension benefits. And, and yeah, this is essentially money that partially comes from taxpayers. Yeah. By the way, question, uh, I'm not sure if you know this, but if you don't know, it's okay. Mm. So let's say if that happened in Malaysia, okay, for example, uh, and let's say the police, uh, a policeman here was uh, being charged, uh, will he won't get pension, is it? Because now there's a, he's I, got a bad criminal I, 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 I'm not sure what the situation is, but unless, I, I, I might be sticking about, I recall addressing something along these lines. It wasn't a police officer, but this was, either a, a pengkhidmat awam or public servant or, okay. or someone uh, or, or in you know someone holding a political post I think there is, there, there is some law somewhere about if you're convicted of an offence and that offence entails like either a certain uh, amount in terms of fine or uh, a certain uh, time frame of imprisonment like let's say if you are in prison for X period or something like that yeah. you stand to lose your pension Ah. So I think there are provisions to that effect. But then there are certain thresholds that have to be met before yeah. uh, the pension is forfeited. Mm. Yeah, because like for me as a citizen, so I mean, I to be honest, I know nuts about law. But what I can say is that I'll rather receive a fine than to go to jail because going to jail is just bad on... in Just generally, like, you know, if you have a history that you went to jail, that's, that's pretty messed up because like uh, I have a tenant and uh, one of my tenants thought of like uh, like uh, visiting his friends during MCO. And then like uh, I told him like, like, you know, you being fined 1,000, you know, money you can pay back. But if you go to jail, <laughs> that's just messed up, man, on your CV. Like, Yes. And early on, uh, I think when the MCO was implemented, uh, there were, I think about 11 joggers or something, uh, collectively referred to as the Mon Kiara joggers. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. They all kena. <laughs> and and what's interesting is I'm not sure whether this was a case of Mon Kiara shaming la, but the their full names were set out in the reports. Like ah. with, with, with the other uh, with the other uh, people, uh, unless they were VIPs or something like that, with the other people who were convicted of offenses relating to um, you know, tidak mematuhi or non-compliance with the MCO. I don't recall names being announced. Mm. But with the Moncara joggers, all the names came up. Ah. <laughs> yes, I, I know what it was like, you know, uh, Moncara shaming. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm not necessarily saying this with pride or anything like that, but uh, I think out of the 11 or was it 12, uh, there was probably like only one or two missions like, Ah, <laughs> that's it. I, I, I'm not implying anything into that statement, but yeah, just stating the fact. But it was interesting that all yeah. their names were reported, came out. By now, you know, now looking at all these like cases, right, like this Black Lives Matter, and then uh, because of this thing happening, uh, a lot of people are also trying to study law to know uh, who, like, who does the law protect? You know, like citizen, or is it more siding towards like a police officer? Things like that. Uh, do you think that law should be at least, at least basic law should be like a subject in school? Because uh? personally, I feel yes. Sir. That's a very good point, Gajan. Um, in Malaysia, of course, at least I, I'm not sure how it is now, but when I was studying, um, there were there was nothing of that sort except if you did form six. I think in form six. In pengajian am, there is um, a, I think there is an element 
in or, or, I don't know, a, a module or a section pengajian am mm. that involves uh, the study of uh, basic law and uh, basic uh, principles of the Malaysian Constitution. Mm. I remember this very well because um, after my SPM Form Five, I went to Lower Six for a few months whilst waiting for. Um, Responses from A-levels. Uh, not not A-levels because I submitted applications for matriculation at ah. uh, a couple of universities. So whilst waiting yep. for those responses, uh, I went to lower six. And then in lower six, in pengajian am, there was that component. Yeah. But you don't but have to think about this. Form five. Yeah. Correct. But the thing about when you say form six, it doesn't cover everyone. You see. Uh, like, correct. To me lah, I just feel that they should be. They in, should at least in, talk about basics lah. Because like for me, so like now we are in the entertainment scene, right? I think all this, uh, you know, there's law about IP, intellectual property and all that. Yes. It becomes quite important, isn't it? Because later on as you grow, like now I'm thinking up ahead, like five or ten years from now, I I literally need to do my stuff, man. Like uh, when I put out a content, you know, like uh, what, what, what I need to learn about copyright laws, things like that. And uh, this is in, just in my area. What about like other stuff? Like, like you said, like knowing your rights as a citizen, I don't know. I find it actually important, and they should at least put the basics right. In whatever name or guise that uh, subject would be, uh, there should be uh, yeah. uh, that thing taught in school in upper secondary. I think form four and form five kids um, be mature enough to learn. Correct. I I don't think it's necessarily mm. uh, something that like you know people say ah this is university level no lah you can teach this to upper secondary students. Yeah. If, if I were to tell you, um, if, did you do SRP? Or, yeah, PMR. PMR, right? Okay. Yeah. So, so I did SRP, Sejur Rendah Pelajaran at Form 3. Mm. And after the exams, uh, there were still, I think, two months before the school year ended. Two months or one yep. month and a half. So I don't know what happened at your school, but at, at my school, um, the teachers would just say, uh, bring whatever books and then you can read lah, because there were no more classes. Uh, yeah. Of course, the boys, uh, we would try, whenever PE happens, we would try to get PE extended to two or three periods instead of one. <laughs> but the rest of the time, we'll be in uh, in the classroom reading. Now, mm. uh, this will make me sound like a real nerd, but the book that I brought to school to read after the SRP was Tone Muhammad Sofian's An Introduction to the Constitution of Malaysia. Mm. So I was reading that. Um, oh, everyone else was uh, reading Dragon Ball. Oh. Like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So no, no, I, What I'm trying to get at is the fact that if I had given that to one of the one of my friends, um, yep. and and if they were reading it, um, it will not like be something. Oh, like, oh, I can't comprehend this at all. I don't think so. So I think. Mm. Uh, Teaching students in Form 4 and Form 5 uh, basic concepts of uh, rights as citizens. Um, yep. Now, something like IP rights would probably be a bit more specialized. Yeah, uh, no, la, not, yeah. Not, not, not so much on maybe IP, but like, yeah, the first basic one would be like uh, citizen rights, like, uh, like, the, like the Road Transport Act. That was also important considering that in Form 5, they'll be applying for a driving license. Yes, that's a very good point. And in fact, the IP one, uh, how it should be probably introduced would not be so much uh, into like uh, an analysis of IP rights, but more to make people understand that, hey, you, you can't just take someone else's work even if you see it on the internet and then pass it yeah. on. And yeah, it, it's things like that. Because a lot of people think that so long as something is on the internet, you can make use of it. Yeah, and I got to tell that to my uncles. Yeah. <laughs> Every gathering, say, Gajan, I, let me tell you like a Russell Peter joke. Ah. Yes, uncle, I, I've heard that many times. Don't have to. Like, you know, fun fact, right? Like, uh, you know that, that Singapore gig that I that I did in February, the one where everyone was drunk and they went back home safely, right? Yeah. One guy was so drunk, he went up on stage and he did Jing Xiu's joke on colonization. Oh, God. Yeah. So, so <laughs> and that- I even have it on Insta story. This guy isn't a comedian. No, he's not. But he's, someone he's who had working watched, with the company. But someone who had watched Jinx perform that. 
Yeah. That bit. But, so, yeah. By the way, for the listeners, uh, Jing Xiu is a Singaporean stand-up comedian. So he has this viral joke on, uh, uh, what do you call it? Colonization. colonization yeah. yeah. And this guy performed. He butchered it. He missed out certain key points in the setup. The delivery was out. But yeah, he was performing Jing Xiu's joke. And with no attribution, <laughs> I would think, to Jinx. Yeah, definitely no lah. Oh gosh. See, that's the thing, right? People think that, ah, because it's out there, it's free and you can make use of it. No attribution. Yeah. yeah. No permission required. Okay. Uh, Sulaiman, we've come to the end of the episode. All right. Now, in every episode, I will normally have this segment called Just Answer Lah. And basically, it's a quick fire question. There's no right or wrong. It's just A or B. Boleh lah. But you have, yeah, and you have to answer uh, on the spot lah. Okay, first two. Okay, first question is uh, regarding James Bond. Uh, which James Bond? Pierce Brosnan or Daniel Craig? Daniel Craig. Tom Cruise or Bruce Willis? Bruce Willis. Uh, travel to which island? Tioman or Perhentian? Perhentian. Uh, pick a Liverpool defender, Carragher or Van Dyke? Van Dyke. Uh, which cuisine? Thai or Indonesian? Thai. Uh, watch a live comedy show. Uh, would you watch Jerry Seinfeld or Ricky Gervais? Interesting. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Okay, last question. Would you migrate to Iceland or Mexico? <laughs> um, Mexico, I guess, only because I suka makan pedas. <laughs> Spice. Okay, and that's the end. That's the end of episode 7. Thank you so much. Thank you Slime so much, Gajan. It's uh, it's fun uh, talking to you, and thank you for giving your your point of view on uh, on law, comedy, and all that. I uh, hope you had fun. I did, I did. Thanks very much, guys, for this invitation. Yeah, yeah. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's the end. Uh, thank you so much, Sulaiman, and stay well. You too.